Okay. How many of you guys had a good Christmas? Amen. Enjoyed your Christmas? Good. I'm still going to, I have a Christmas message this morning. I couldn't just leave the year without doing my own Christmas message. So it's a little Christmassy today. I hope you guys are all okay with that. Yeah. The last, our last Sunday of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Everyone is excited about that, ready to get on to the new year. Please, yeah. Okay, we're going to start in uh, Isaiah. I'm just going to read through this. We're in Isaiah 9, 1 through 7, classic Christmas kind of passage. I'm going to read this for just a, a second. So you follow on the screen. If you have your own Bible, then follow along. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the later time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoils. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulders, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. When I initially started preparing um, for today, we were going to sit in that verse, all, that passage all morning. There's so much. As I'm reading through it, I'm like, oh, there's so much here. Um, but we're not, we'll save that for next year, I guess. You'll have to wait a whole year. How many of you guys remember Christmas as a kid? Yeah. Christmas as a, as a kid. Most of the time when you ask people their favorite Christmas, they think of Christmas as a kid. Now, for a lot of us, Christmas now is great and grand, and now it's great and grand for different reasons than it was then. I understand the full meaning, and, and every year I'm getting more and more of the weightiness of what Christmas is and stands for and all that. But for me, Christmas as a kid was amazing. And my life as a kid was, and I'm, not sure, I'm sure plenty of you guys can relate, it was below average, just okay, kind of stunk on most days. But Christmas was that time where it was like, I'm kind of like everyone else. I get open gifts. I get family that's going to be around. My parents are going to treat me nice, I think. It's going to be great. It's going to be a great day, and nothing can really ruin it because, I mean, the whole month of December, there's this growing excitement growing, right? It's building and building and building. I saw it in my own daughter this year. And as a kid, I had in the back of my mind, no, no one can take this away from me. My mom can't take it away either. She's not going to because she wants me to have Christmas. As much as I may annoy her and push her buttons, it can't be taken away. Right? And that was, you know, schemy little Steve 
as a kid thinking, you know, I think it's going to be okay. I'm going to get Christmas. But the day after Christmas, it was just the worst. It was just the worst. Christmas was gone. I broke half my toys. I'm back at home. All the punishments are back on the table again. It's just like, it was the worst. I had put all my hope into Christmas, and now Christmas had passed. And it hadn't even fulfilled the things that I thought it would. You know, I thought it was just going to be, okay, after Christmas, this is, this is the year. It's going to be so amazing. This joy that is here is just going to last forever. But it, it didn't. I think for many people, Christmas this year was that way. Where we had, it felt like such a rough year all around. And then after Christmas, it's back to the same old, same old. I think that a lot of people look to Christmas as like, oh, this is going to be this moment that we're going to have together. A global moment where things are just going to come together and be right. It's kind of that mark on the calendar that I heard a lot of people in at least my circle saying, yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be it. Okay, at least there's Christmas. But now Christmas is gone. And I'm talking about the holiday once a year, Christmas is gone. And now we've got to wait another 365 days again. And that's just the way it is. The grandeur of Christmas has now passed. And for those that put their hope in Christmas, it's gone. It's not there anymore, and it didn't meet any expectations. We're flooded every year. Even in the midst of a global pandemic, there is still all of this messaging. Christmas is going to be the day. The kids are going to get that one gift, and everything's going to be okay. They're going to love you forever. You're going to get that one gift, and and your life is going to be made right. There's going to be peace and unity amongst the whole family and and joy and everything from here on. And, And it's just this bombardment of, hey, Christmas is the day that you look forward to and you put all your hope in, and it's just going to be great. I think that all of these things, all of the messagings around Christmas are appropriate. I do think that they're just misplaced. Because we know that everything I'm talking about, I'm sure it's going on in your mind right now, all of this belongs to Jesus, right? All of this we put onto Jesus, not onto a day. And I think we do this with other things, too. We put our hopes in other places. Or we do Jesus plus. As long as Jesus is in the equation, I'm good, right? No, 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 it's Jesus only. So we're going to go after this thing of hope this morning. And it's been really heavy on my heart this last week that I, it's, it's as if, now the enemy is always attacking, right? And we understand that. It's as if there's a direct attack against hope right now. I'm going to strip you of your hope. I'm going to make you hopeless. I want you to be powerless. I, w- I, want, you, I want you to not have any drive behind you. And so this morning, what I'm asking all of us to do is to look and say, okay, where are those spots of hopelessness? Do I look at a certain situation and think there's just no hope there? Do I look at a relationship with a certain person and I think there's no hope there? Do I look at my financial status and say there's no hope here? Do I look around and see I see no reason for hope? And I think the enemy... He, he's, he's been relentless at attacking our hope and trying to strip it away. So we're going to go after that this morning. 
These are appropriate longings that we have around Christmas. We want joy. We want peace. We want to get along. We want unity. We want everything to be made right again. We know that is only found in Jesus. The passage in Isaiah that we, that we read in the beginning, Isaiah is speaking to a people who have a culture of longing and expectancy. The first half of the, more than half of the Bible is all about this people who is just waiting. They're just waiting. They're just like God made all these promises in the garden, again to our father Abraham, and we're just waiting. When is it going to come? When is it going to come? Who are we going to look to? And it was almost every time they turn around, there, that's where we're going to, this is what, it, nope, not that. Nope, not that. Okay, no, 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 we're going to go here, and we're going to put our hope here. And, nope, I guess not that. And Isaiah, the, the heading in, in my, my Bible is hope in a Messiah. There's, he's directing these people who have this buildup of longing and expectancy and they're saying, put all of your hope in this child. It's there, and it's appropriate to be there. He's saying, he, he's saying, our hope can be placed in this child who is born, who will fulfill promises made, who will satisfy all mankind. He will renew the earth. He will bring into darkness, replace it with life, and an end to death, and life will flourish. In that, I know, I, maybe you can throw it back up, Mike, and go along with me. I was going to do a really deep dive into these, but we're just, we're not going to this morning. But as he's going through what Isaiah is actually saying, put your hope in this child. Put your hope in the one who is going to turn gloom to glory. Put your hope in the one that's going to turn darkness to light, sorrow to joy, and slavery to freedom. This is where your hope belongs. This is what he's going to do. Aren't those the things that you're longing for? And he says, put your hope in this child, the Messiah, the Christ. Put your hope in the, and he says, and his name will be, which is basically saying this is who he is. This is what he's all about. This is his nature. And he, and, he, and he lists off these things. Wonderful counselor. Put your hope in this wonderful counselor. In Ephesians it says, he who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He who takes counsel and considers all things and works them according to his grand wisdom. Understand, this child is, is wise beyond our imagination. This is who he is. Put your hope in him, our wonderful, wonderful counselor. Put your hope in this mighty God. As it says in Hebrews, he's the exact imprint of God's nature. He sat, at the, he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. There's no one greater. There's no one stronger. Why would you put your hope anyone else? Put your one who is higher than all the rest and there is no other. Put your hope in the everlasting Father. We think of, you know, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit like that. And so we think, well, everlasting Father, that belongs to, that belongs to the Father. But it, it says this in, in John about Jesus. Jesus is saying this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He's not going to abandon you. He's there for you. He's chasing after you. The one who cares for you and loves you and is a present comfort. As a, as a good father, I want to be by my daughter's side, right? And now my son's side. 
I want to protect them. I want to see them grow and flourish. Saying this is the everlasting father. This is the father who, he's going to do it all right. He's going to do it all perfect. Put your hope in this one. In the prince, and, and put your hope in the Prince of Peace. Eric went over this last week, so I'm not going to go over it too well. But, but in, in Isaiah, it talks about the wolf and the lamb sleeping together and all this other, these other images of unity and, and peace happening. It's saying, put your hope in the one who's going to bring peace to the fullest. On every level, absolutely complete peace. This is where we put our hope. And then he continues, said, in his everlasting kingdom. Put your hope in the one whose kingdom is everlasting. It's righteous, it's firm, it's unmoving, unending, and, and will be established by God himself. By the zeal of God himself. In Matthew, Jesus is talking to Peter. And in mine, it has rock right next to it in parentheses. And Jesus says to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. There's no power that is going to remove his kingdom, his government. There is nothing that's going to stop it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We're familiar with that, right? Put your hope here. History has shown us that the only thing that is sure is this light. And the only thing that cannot be stopped is Jesus. Even this year. I mean, for most people, this is the worst, one of the worst years ever. For a lot of people, it's going to go down as the worst year in their life. There's going to be these years, and they're going to see these. I understand that, but the light has shined so bright this year. It's as if, as things got darker, he got so much brighter, right? I, I think about what happened here at the salt mine alone, and I saw it everywhere in a lot of other congregations, even in our community, where, man, the need was met, and people's lives were blessed. We interacted with more families in a two-month span than we ever have. We were able to share the light in patches of darkness we've never interacted with before. The light went further and brighter from here than, than we've been able to in the past. Nothing can stop it. Nothing can stop this light. And so Isaiah is looking to these people who have this culture of longing and expectancy, putting their hope there and here, and we can take the same message because we tend to put our hope in all these places, right? Or we do Jesus and. I'm going to trust in Jesus, but it's nice when my bank account has a few more zeros. Also that. I'm going to trust in, in, in Jesus, but I'm also going to trust in this stable job that I have, right? I'm going to trust in Jesus, and he's like, no, 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 no. Your hope belongs here. Nowhere else. Why do you need anywhere else? Because he has it all. He has everything you're looking for, and he can secure it. Last month, we talked about living in confidence. We're to be a people who walk in confidence because we're focused on who God is. Today, we're talking about we can place our hope in Christ because of who he is, right? There's often times when I'm thinking about, um, you know, I, I want this job done or that job done. And I look over at the students and I think, which one of them am I going to pick? Which one of them is capable of handling this? 
and they're all growing in their skills. I don't know if you know this, but Joey can paint, right? I'm like, the middle Joey can paint. Hunter, becoming quite the woodworker over there, yeah. right? I'm looking, I'm looking at them like, okay, based on who they are and what they know how to do, I'm going to pick the appropriate person for the job, right? And we should do that here with our own life. I have all these hopes, expectations, longings. I need to pick the appropriate person for the job. There's only one. His name's Jesus. Yeah. I think all of this, now, I think all of this, as important as it is to understand, it really just lays the basis for the rest of what's to say because I think we can all agree with that, right? All of this is basic. We understand this. We know this. This is every single year. Joy, hope, peace, joy, hope, peace, joy, hope, peace. We talk about these things, right? So we understand this. Steve, you're not saying anything new. Uh, I, I get it. But I want, you, I want us to understand this. It matters where we place our hope. Okay? It matters where we place our hope. If we place our hope in things that can't deliver on their promises, we're left hopeless, powerless, and frozen. Well, I should change that. You're, you're left feeling hopeless. You're left feeling powerless. And you're left feeling frozen. Because that's not actually the reality of what's going on. You actually do have hope. You do have power. And you are capable of going somewhere. But we're going to get in that. This is gonna, we're going to get deeper and deeper and deeper here, okay? We're just walking in from the shallow ends to the deep end over there. So stay with me. I want you to think of the apostles and Acts. They're getting beaten and persecuted for the name of Jesus, right? Killed. And this goes on and on throughout history. But in Acts 5, it says, And when they called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing. Rejoicing. I've never left a beating rejoicing, right? And when I did, my mom said, get back over here. We're not done yet, right? I, this is a new type of joy that they have. This joy is based in, well, they have this joy because of where their hope is placed, in Jesus. It says, rejoicing that they that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple, from house to house to house, they did not cease the teaching and the preaching that Jesus, that Christ is Jesus. They didn't stop. They just kept on going. Why? Because the beating didn't matter. It didn't phase them because that's not where their hope, their hope wasn't in comfort. Their hope wasn't in being okay with, every, I want to make sure that everyone is happy with me. I want to make sure that the powers that be are, are happy with me. Their hope wasn't there. Their hope wasn't in that they had a, that, that the world at large viewed them with a favorable eye. They didn't care. Their hope was in Jesus. Their hope wasn't placed in comforts, wasn't placed in this world, but Jesus alone. And so they could rejoice because they had a joy and their joy was they had a joy because their hope was in Jesus, was placed in someone not affected by our crazy, uncertain, ever-changing, corrupt world, unmoved by darkness. And I think that's what we saw this year. The church was unmoved by the darkness. 
We are in it. We, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Blocks and blocks. shine brighter there there was when i say unmoved i mean there wasn't any like cowarding down you know there wasn't any oh we're gonna shrink and and hide away but in fact it was no we're 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 here to help we're here to love we're here to let the love of god touch people's lives but this this is the kind of tension we live in this world is dark and dying but yet we're living in it this is what some people, uh, what has been dubbed the, the kind of, the already but not yet. The already but not yet. Jesus has already come, but the final consummation, the finalization of his victory that he won on the cross, we're still waiting for in his second coming, right? So he won, and that victory is there for us. And so I could testify to this because I, I know the goodness of Jesus in my life. Amen? How many of you? Right? The grace poured into my life, the redeeming effects of his victory on the cross. Lives changed, continual provision, so much that we're overflowing, and the Lord is providing for the community. The love of a father, the joy that comes from salvation, complete peace. Jesus has already come, so that is open to me. I have that. That is the good news, that is the gospel. Jesus has come, he's coming for you, he loves you come experience the life that is found in him. But we also understand this not yet. We're still waiting for that second coming. Because at the same time, I can testify to the realities of this present darkness. The unknown, the fear that tries to grab hold, the stresses of this world, the work that is still to be done, illness, struggle, heartbreak, pain, and loss. Can we not all testify to that as well? For many, it's been a very, very hard year. And that's a real thing. There's been times of grief and lament. And so I don't want to, I don't want to come in here with this super hyper, like, be happy and fluffy about everything. It's, it's all okay. Because there is a present darkness. But we put our hope in the light that is unaffected by the darkness. Amen? And so we're in this already, but not yet. And the, op- the apostles knew this. And I think that is, that it, that is part of what drove, drove them, is they say, yeah, I'm getting beaten. But Jesus has already come, and he's coming again, and my hope is in him, and he's coming back. And my, my life and eternity is secure in him. And guess what? This government may not be for me, but his is, and I have a citizenship to his government, and that's where I'm going. It's unmoved, right? We can all testify to the fact that, yeah, this has been a broken, broken year, a dark year. For many, it's more real than others. 
And I think as you get older, you experience more and more of this. You understand the reality of the darkness more and more and more. But I want what the apostles had. They had hope abounding. Abounding to the point that even under the threat of death, they were not deterred. That I want us to get this. And this is, if we get anything this morning, it's this. That where we place our hope matters. Where we place our hope matters. And it has a direct effect on your life. There is a correlation between where you put your hope and the joy that you're experiencing in your life. Where you put your hope and the comfort that you're experiencing in this life. I'm not talking about a physical comfort, but a, a present comfort from the Lord. There's where you put your hope and feelings of powerlessness, feelings of hopelessness, and, and your kind of relationship to the darkness. If your hope is in Jesus alone, then your relationship to the darkness is it's over, I, it can't touch me, right? I'm a, I'm a bright light. I have Jesus. So, yeah, there is darkness, and so when I see it, my relationship to it is I'm running into it to help those in it, right? But if your hope isn't in Jesus, your relationship to the darkness is it's, it's crushing me. It's pressing me. I become immobilized. I feel powerless. I feel hopeless. But I believe that this morning the Lord wants for us true hope in our lives. I know a lot of people, and we said it in the beginning, we make jokes about it, are putting their hope in a new year. 2021's here. I'm so glad that 2020's buys. Like, the date changes anything. I'm so glad. It's, my hopes are in 2021. I can guarantee this. If your hopes are in a new year or anything other than Jesus, you're going to be met with disappointment, frustration, anger, feelings of powerlessness, hopelessness, and you're going to feel the weight of darkness on your shoulders and Jesus has come and he's taken that off. And so that is not your responsibility to have it on your shoulders. He wants to take it off of you. So where's your hope? We're called to live with hope abounding. Hope overflowing. Hope so grand that people come close to us and they interact with that hope. They get a taste of the hope. Romans 15, 13 says this. Sorry, I have to take a drink. It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. We, as believers, are connected to the source of hope. So hope should be overflowing in our lives. It's as if Jesus said, oh, okay, so we got the source over here, and you're over here, and there's this hose that connects you to, okay, you should have hope, right? It should be flowing through you. It just makes sense that way. And so we call ourselves Jesus followers. We say we're believers. We say we're children of God. Then hope should be abounding in our lives. People should be running into our overflowing hope. This should be the goal of every believer, that we have hope abounding. Yes, circumstances don't look promising. Yes, when I look at the darkness in the world, I can say that it doesn't look good. Yes, there are hard and difficult times, but my hope doesn't come from these things. My hope overflows because my hope comes from the source. 
Look at First, first Peter 1.3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Who's born again? Whoa. I, I guess I showed up to the wrong place on the wrong day. Who's born again? Amen? I'm born again. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You are born into a living hope. Our lives are being marked by hope. And we are to be a people, a, a, a church where hope is very present. Let's look at uh, Hebrews 6, 11 to 12. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to show the same intense conviction, to show the same eagerness to get. And we desire that each one of you show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Hope is not something that we just get lazy with. Hope is not something that we just say, ah, you know, it's, it's neither here nor there. No, no, no. You're called to a life overflowing and abounding with hope. And if you don't have it, you've been robbed. Right? I walk into my house, I know everything there that's mine. And if it's not there, I've been robbed. Or I moved it and forgot. But for the sake of the analogy, I've been robbed. If hope isn't in your life, you who have been born to a living hope, you've been robbed. Hope in Jesus acts as a fuel to keep us going. And the enemy knows this. The enemy knows this. He knows that if he can take your hope, then he can impress on you feelings of hopelessness, powerlessness, and this kind of just freeze in your life. An unableness to move forward in the life that Jesus has given you. In order to rob you of your hope, Satan will bombard you with lies. Now, if any moment, this is, this is, this is kind of the moment in here where it's like, I want us to grasp this. I could have spoke just on this next little 10-minute segment and been, been okay. Kind of built up to it. Satan will bombard you with lies. He will po- point to circumstances and feelings and false narratives to get you to lose hope. For you to forfeit your hope. For you to walk inside your house and throw the TV out the window. It's no longer there. He's come in and he wants to rob you. Hope is this. Hope is the confident expectation that something good will happen in the future. And so we put our hope in Jesus, right? We know he's coming again, and we know what he's establishing when he comes again. We know what's there for us when he comes again. Life eternal. Hopelessness. It's a state of despair. Being, of course, without hope. And if hope is missing in an area of your life, then you can bet that there's a lie you are believing in regards to that thing. And this is kind of the tool that we use 
along with the Holy Spirit, to look at our life. Say, is there hopelessness in an area that I have? And if so, it's because there is a lie that you're believing in regards to that. Man, I feel it. This is, this is for us this morning. If there's an area of your life where there's hopelessness, where you look at that thing and you think there's no hope here, or there's a feeling of powerlessness in that area, and there's a feeling of I can't move or progress forward in that area, then there is a lie that you're believing in regards to that thing. Amen? I think, man, who is this for? It's for somebody here. Am I speaking to somebody this morning? Is the Holy Spirit convicting you this morning? Amen? Yeah. And in fact, this morning, he prayed for me this morning. This is for us this morning. Because we are called to be a people walking and abounding in hope. And so if it's not there, you've been robbed. And the way that Satan has robbed you is he's convinced you of a lie. He's convinced you of a lie. Whether it's fear or, or whatever it may be. And this is, and we're going we're gonna to get into it. But this is the part where you pray and you ask the Lord, help me to understand where, this, where these seeds of hopelessness have been planted, where I've been robbed, what are the lies I've been growing in. But this is part of why we, we partner together as brothers and sisters and, and we look at each other's lives with the Holy Spirit and help one another out, right? Say, this is, this is, this is the lie. There's the moments, and, and you know this if you've been married, where Riley and I will call these things out in one another. Now, there's a lie you're believing here. And as my wife, I love you, and I don't want to see you living in hopelessness and powerlessness because it's there for you. And how much more is this everlasting father looking at his children saying, it's there for you, hope is there for you. We need to get rid of these lies that you're believing. Amen? Satan wants you to look at circumstances and see no hope. He wants you to look at people and see no hope. Look at relationships and see no hope. Look at your bank account and see no hope. Look at any area of your life and see no hope. You better believe he's going to target the easiest one too whatever that is for you. Areas, and he'll always bring up your past. Always. Man. There's an area that is just like easy pickings for him. And he's going to go at it. And he's going to say, nope, there's no hope here. And here's why, and here's why, and here's why. And those are all lies. The response to Satan's attack is holding tight to truth. Holding tight with like white knuckle, right? Like like a rope in a blizzard, fight for your hope, right? Because you know if you're in a blizzard, it's help, and it blows you out, you're out, you're gone. White out, there's nothing. Now the only way to get back to it, a friend has to come out and find you, right? Who's also connected to that truth, that hope, and has to reel you back in. Look at what it says in, in uh, Psalm 42. It also says the same thing in Psalm 43. The exact same thing. But Psalm 42, 11, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. 
there are these moments where we have the tools we need to fight hopelessness and to fight for our hope. So I love the psalmist addressing himself, saying, what are you doing? You have access to hope, hope found in God. Hope, sure. Why are we believing these lies? So we speak truth to ourselves and dwell on it and take, take strong hold of it. When your hope is under attack, you take up arms using your only weapon, which is the word of God, using truth to fight lies. There needs to be a resolve in each one of us that says, I refuse to stay in hopelessness. A resolve in each one of us that says, I refuse to have my hope robbed of me. And then there needs to be a resolve in us as brothers and sisters that says, I refuse to allow my brother or sister sit in hopelessness. And so we go and we fight for our own hope and then we go and fight for the hope of each other. Amen? Yes. And I know because I'm married, I don't like, I, it doesn't often feel good when my wife comes and addresses these things with me. And I know for her it doesn't feel good when she comes and addresses these things with me. Or, you get it. We got it. But there needs to be a resolve in us. Something says, no, 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 no. I am not letting go of this hope. Hope is mine. And I will not be robbed of it. Hope is yours. And I won't see you robbed of it. Amen? Amen. Can we make that commitment to one, one another and to ourselves this morning? Yes. Hope is mine. Hope is yours. And the enemy comes to steal your hope so that you become frozen, useless, weighed down in hopelessness. Because he knows that you're connected to power. He knows that you are a threat. He knows that in you is light, and he knows that he cannot fight that light. He can do nothing to touch it. But what he can do is convince you to forfeit it. Forfeit your access. When someone feels powerless, they have no reason to move forward, right? If I feel powerless, like, how can I move forward? Why would I move forward? Have you guys... How many of you guys have seen our freezer back there? Right? Yeah. Nice big, big freezer we were blessed with a couple years ago. You go into that freezer, and there's a reason why we go two at a time, two people at a time at the freezer, because if that door shuts and that light is off, there is no light in that thing. Right? And now I know, okay, I'm in a little 8 by 12 freezer. Start punching around, I'm going to find that door. Right? But when you feel like you're in a sea of darkness... I bring up the freezer because I've stepped in there before and the door's been shut, and it's, it is disorienting. It is. Yeah. You, you found yourself in there on accident. Like what? It is disorienting. You're blinking like, what is going on? Right? You're like, it, it is a, a crazy experience to be in absolute darkness. Now, imagine believing that you are in a sea of darkness. That's a feeling of hopelessness. That's a feeling of powerlessness. But here's the good news, that Jesus comes, and he's not just this little glimmer of hope. He's not just this little star on the ceiling, like remember those little glow-in-the-dark stars you put on your walls and stuff? He's not just that, oh, yeah, there it is, I see it. No, 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 he's this grand 
And as it says in Isaiah, this great light. The people who dwelled in darkness have seen a great light. This is the hope that's available to all of us. When you are connected to hope in Christ, you are connected to power unmatched. Unmatched. Just, just uh, think about the apostles. We read about them getting beaten and then they leave rejoicing. And then hold this in your head, Romans 8, 35 through 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or global pandemic or shutdowns? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Nothing. We're connected to an unmatched power. To the fact that when darkness does come at us, man, it serves to make us even more than conquerors. Now we stand up and rejoice, just like the apostles. We were beaten down, we were persecuted, now we're standing stronger. You just increased our resolve, right? And Eric said it this morning. We went through it once, and now we're even more firm in our stance. We're not going anywhere. This is who we are. This is the responsibility put on our shoulders to serve the community. The enemy knows that people who are connected to hope are connected to a power that cannot be stopped. His tactic is to convince you to forfeit. But we are called to fight for our hope in ourselves and for ourselves and for one another. So we anchor ourselves to God. Because our hope is anchored in God. God is our hope. And so we anchor ourselves to the sure, unmovable thing. Hebrews 10. I know I'm firing through a lot of verses this morning. Let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciousness conscious have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tight without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promises. And in Psalm 39, And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in You. When your hope is anchored to God, it is secure. People whose hope is secure in Christ, we look crazy. If your hope is in Christ, you're going to look crazy. Because people look at you and all they can see is you and the crazy circumstances around you. Wait a second, he just ran into that dark pit. What is he doing? Wait a second. And we, and we have been personally attacked like this. I call, I call them attacks here at the salt mine, saying, hey, it, it's, it is unsafe for you guys to operate like you are. So we don't care. We're, we're, <laughs> we don't care. Honestly, these precautions are for, are for you because we're going to keep doing this thing. We're going to keep doing it. I, who was born into a living hope through Christ, can live in the midst of a world of darkness and decay. Because my hope isn't in any of the seen circumstances, but in the unseen person of God. I can do things that don't make sense. I can act in ways others would never think of. 
I can maintain joy in the middle of hardship because I have a hope not rooted in circumstance, but in God. We are built for hard times because our hope is in an untouchable God who, who delivers on his promises. And so in dark times, the light of Christ shines bright as joy, shines brighter as joy, gratitude, gladness spring forth, and God's glory is put on display. This is why I say fight for your hope, why I say fight for others' hope, because we know that we're in the midst of these hard times. It's really difficult, right? How many of you have been in a hard time where hope is being robbed from you, and it is so difficult to get out? And so we fight for ourselves, but we also fight for one another. And we present each other with truth and love. Because hope is yours through Jesus. So I don't, I don't want to make this sound like, oh, this is some easy thing. Just be hopeful, right? Just be hopeful. You have hope. No, it's a di- it, it could be a very difficult thing. Because all we see at times is the, is the present darkness. And sometimes all we see are this are the cruddy circumstances. But there is a God who loves you and who has provided you with the source of hope so you can have hope abounding. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up, get settled, get your time to grab Krista and all that. I want us to ask ourselves this morning this question, and I'm sure we kind of already have been in our own hearts and minds. And the question is, Are you living in complete hope? In unshakable, confident, true hope? Is is your hope in Jesus alone? If you're hoping in something that cannot be shaken or prevented and will deliver on its promises, then uh, then you won't be left frustrated and disappointed. In Jesus is a guarantee to hope overflowing, joy abounding, and like this head-turning confidence where people are like, why is that guy have so much hope? Right? That is the guarantee. But on the flip side, in contrast, I can guarantee that you will find yourself frustrated, angry, disappointed, agitated, cynical, and feeling powerless when your hope is in things of this world. And so we fight for our hope and ask the Lord to examine our lives this morning. Lord, where have I been robbed of hope? Lord, where am I believing a lie? Where have I forfeited my hope and I'm living in hopelessness and feelings of powerlessness? Bring this to him in earnest, honest prayer and begin declaring truth and fighting for your hope. In church... We're going to surround each other and fight for one another. Amen? Amen. Fight for one another. In love, holding on to truth, because hope is yours. Yes? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Were you going to say something? No. Okay. Yeah. It, it, and, 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 It's, it's right for us to be aware of the darkness. We are in this already but not yet, waiting on our hope that is in Jesus and his second coming, right? It's, 
and it's right for us to be aware of Satan's attacks and schemes. So we run head first into the darkness with our brothers and sisters. We say, I see this struggle you're going through. I'm here with you. I'm fighting for your hope. I see this hard time that is pressing on you. I see the enemy attacking you. I'm here to remind you that hope is yours. Let's read this verse and then we'll pray. Isaiah 55, 1 through 3. Come, everyone who thirsts to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Don't toil in putting your hope in anywhere else than Christ. Hope is yours but it's found in Christ alone. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for coming. We thank you for delivering on your promises. We thank you for providing us with hope and calling us to a life of hope abounding and overflowing. And I pray, Father, that you show us the areas in our life where we have been robbed of our hope and convinced of lies. I pray, Father, that you allow us to partner with our brothers and sisters and fight alongside them, arm in arm. Father, we take hold of our hope, which you have provided to us. And we call to one another, saying, hope is yours. Live in hope. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for sending your son. Thank you for being with us, a present comfort. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Thank you, Father. Amen.